Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Okay, we're continuing our home series and we are here to worship God and we're here to, to bring the congregation into a place where we, we know that it's home. So we started this series on Luke chapter 15 and we, last week I spoke on the first couple of verses and I spoke about how Jesus was criticized by the Pharisees um, and also by the disciples of John. Interestingly enough, um, they were criticized because um, that Jesus was uh, feasting with tax collectors and sinners, and there was this this exclusivity to their to their um, exclusivity to their to their their faith. This this hidden uh, truth that they had gathered around themselves, but it was for them, and it wasn't for the the unrighteous people on the outside. And so, this morning, I I want to carry on. Um, with this uh, story from Luke 15 and chapter 3. And so Jesus' response to this complaint that he has his eating with tax collectors and with sinners goes like this, Luke 15, 3. So he spoke this parable to them saying, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep which was lost. I I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Now this is an extraordinary scripture. And I always... I think of the scripture every time I, I'm driving from, from my house into Ellen. Um, there's a couple of roads that we can take, but there's a back road that um, I, I often take, and it takes me down this very narrow uh, road that dips all the way down. And as you rise up the other side, for most of the year, there's, there's sheep um, in the fields on either side. And this year, um, as I was driving up through in the, in the spring when the lambs had grown from just sort of like sort of dependent upon their mother and they get started, they get to kind of like that sort of teenage looking lambs. <laughs> Do you know what I mean by that? And, and you can see them in the field and they sort of gather together in gangs and, and <laughs> graffiti things and, uh, and, and sort of go around like yobs. And, and, and uh, I just, <laughs> it's an amazing thing. And, and here's a sheep and I'm driving through and there's all these sheep and there's this one lamb standing in the middle of the road that had leapt over the fence. And it says, I'm driving down. It sees me and it makes a bolt for it back to the field, up onto the, the, um, up onto the, the, the wall, leaps over the barbed wire fence and is back in the field. And, you know, you just sort of smoke to yourself, stupid sheep, and, uh, and carry on. I'm, I'm sort of shopping in Tesco, so I, t- I drive back, I come back the same route. I'm driving down, there's the same sheep. It's, it's in the road again, and it sees me, and it makes a bolt for it, and it, there it goes, and it leaps over 
the, it leaps onto the wall and back over the barbed wire fence. I've never seen it get out the field, uh, but I've seen it jump into the field. Now, I've been watching this sheep the entire year. It's still doing it today. And in fact, I can pretty, put, uh, pretty much put good money on it that it would, not that I'm a gambling man, that I could put good money on it that it will be there right now. It was certainly there on Friday when I went past. And every time you go past, it sees you, panics, runs, jumps into the field. And, but you know next minute it's going to turn around and go, yeah, I prefer the grass on the other side. <laughs> and, and I think to myself, this sheep has, this, this, Lamb has made some curious life choices. And, <laughs> and, and the, the life choices made, it's, it, it's like there's, there's grass on the other side of that fence that I want to eat and there's no competition for this grass. It's, it, it's, it's grass that only I can eat. So it's decided it's going to do it. It hasn't taken any of his friends with him. He probably doesn't have a friend. He's one of those loner type sheep. <laughs> and uh, so he's gone and he's leapt over and he's eating the grass, but it comes at a price. And the price that it comes with is the chance of getting run over. And to be fair, it has gone through my mind on a number of occasions. <laughs> no one would ever know if I just went dunk, 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 <laughs> and then put it in the back. <laughs> and we could have lamb for a month. And <laughs> I think about it a lot. And uh, <laughs> as, it, as it's, uh, it just runs away from me, and I, I just feel like, <laughs> all I need to do is accelerate a little bit harder. And so this, this sheep has, has, has made this decision, but I kind of have a little sympathy for it because I wonder whether... This sheep like us just sees a fence and needs to jump over it, not because the field has any less grass. I mean, this gra- the field is huge uh, and there's enough grass in this field to support the, the flock all year round without having to be moved. And there's plenty of grass in the field, but there's a fence. And when you see a fence, you just feel the need to get over it because why would I be constrained by a fence? And the sheep, and, and I think that we're like the sheep a bit. We kind of like, there's a fence, I want to get over it. I, I hate rules, I hate boundary lines, I, I hate people saying to me, you can't do this. If someone says you can't do that, I'll probably find a way in which I can. Um, and I just, I don't like those kind of boundary lines, but there are boundary lines that, that God has set for us because they protect us. And we come to this story of the sheep, the lost sheep. And Jesus sets up this story with an extraordinary question, a conundrum really. And he starts by saying this, But what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? Now, we, we read it and we assume, well, they all would. Wait a second here. What man of you would having a hundred sheep? The first question here, it's a conundrum because probably none of them. Probably none of them would leave 99 sheep in the wilderness for one stupid lamb, right? Probably none of them would do that. So he sets up a conundrum. What, you're going to leave 99 and go after the one? Now, the whole story, I want to turn 
on its head a little bit for you because this story has been quoted to me many times. We, we've seen many people come into the church and they're, they're part of the family and they're, they're, sort of, they're just in the house a lot and, and something in life pulls them away. And people will say to me, look, we, we've got to run after them. There's a lost sheep. And I try saying, I, I'm not sure they're lost. I think they know the way home. I, I would call them a prodigal, not a not lost. They've already found. They just wandered off. They know the route back. And when they come back, we'll have arms open waiting for them. Right? So I want to turn the story because the story I feel has been is a mistold. And it's been mistold because it hasn't been looked at. For a start, we want to ask this question. Who's asked, who were the 99? And why did Jesus, what are they doing in the wilderness? What are they doing in the wilderness? And why did he leave them in the wilderness? Who has 100 sheep and leaving the 99 in the wilderness? Really? And, and why, when he found the one, did he not take it back to the wilderness, but take it home? He didn't take it back to the sheep, he took it home. To rejoice with his friends. So we have to understand what is this all about. And here the first thing we have to understand is that 100 in the Bible represent a completeness, a wholeness. So, so the Bible when it's speaking about a hundredfold, I'm gonna, you're going to receive a hundredfold return. It's not like I put in 10 pounds and I receive 10 times a hundred. It's I will receive a hundredfold or the fullness of of what I have sown shall come back to me. So a hundredfold return for a farmer with cows is one cow, one calf per cow. That's a hundredfold return, right? But with ears of wheat, you've probably got about 600 corn of wheat. So a hundredfold return on a corn of wheat would be 600 for one. It's a hundredfold. It's a completeness, right? And so when he says a farmer has a hundred sheep, he's talking about a hundred. He's talking about the whole earth. A farmer, he says, he's speaking. Jesus is speaking about himself. He's saying, what man of you? Well, no man of them would do what he's talking about. He's setting up a, a scenario that no man would do, only he would do. And so he says, here is a hundred sheep. Here is the whole earth. Here's all of, I, Jesus owns all of us. We are all his sheep. And here's what we need to understand when he says, if you've got, if he has a hundred sheep and then one of them gets lost, well, what about? The 99. Who are these 99 sheep? And why does he leave them in the wilderness? And why doesn't he take the 99 home first and then go look for the sheep? There's a curious story in Numbers. In Numbers 16, we have the story of this guy called Korah. And Korah is a guy who, um, he just kind of, He just rises up against Moses and he speaks this kind of apparent wisdom that we often hear in today's society. Do you ever hear something that you you hear it and you go, 
Yeah, that kind of, that sounds smart. I can't argue against it. It just sounds, just, you feel like it's wrong. You hear that a lot, don't you? Number 16, 22. And they rose up before Moses with some children of Israel, 250 leaders of the congregation, representatives of the congregation, men of renown. All right? So we're not talking about some, we're, we're talking about heroes, people who we look towards, wise leaders, great leaders, great family men, people, men of renown. All right? They gathered together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, You take too much upon yourselves, for all the congregation is holy, every, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourself above the assembly of the Lord? Well, that's quite clever, isn't it? It's kind of you take too much upon yourself. Moses, I think you need to take a couple of days off. Look, here we are. There's a, there's a few guys here. I think we're capable of, of, of running this ship while, while you're taking some. I think you need, you know, you need to come and chat with me. And, and, and we can talk about the decisions you're making and see whether we, we all agree together. It's amazing. It's a very common, it's a common, it's a common thread that runs through today's society. I remember having a young man come into the church. He, he, he loved Jesus. He was a very clever guy. Um, he, he was very clever with technical stuff. And many years ago, and he came to me and eventually I noticed he was getting a little bit kind of just off. I was struggling. I'm thinking, I don't know whether I've done or said something. And eventually he comes to me and he says, listen, I, I'm just, just very concerned, really. Um, you haven't been coming and asking my advice for anything in leadership on the church. That's what he said. It wasn't even, it's not like, it's not like he was like my assistant or he, he hadn't done anything. I mean, he hadn't even done, he wasn't even leading a home group. It was not like, it's not like he had anyone following him. But he decided in his head that he knew how to run church. He's not here, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> After I said, listen, I'm the pastor of the church and I consult with the leadership and those ordained by God, he went, and they left. <laughs> and it's one of the heartbreaking things. You're left going, but this is the same as Cora, right? But men, Cora and his team managed to gather together many thousands of people who went, yeah, Moses, why don't you listen to these guys? Here's the thing about what was going on. We're all sheep. And sheep follow the flock. Sheep follow the flock. And when the flock is moving, sheep go with it. Now, these men were eventually destroyed. But here we have... Uh, Let me read you something a Stanford University lecturer wrote. And this blew me away when I read it. Because here I am doing the study on sheep. And I I stumble across this article about just thinking about the 99. And this is a Stanford University. This is a secular statement. And this is what they say. Just listen to how they finish it. A fascinating and disturbing survey illustrates how just how rampant is a phenomenon called crowd think. 
1,000 Americans were asked to assess two different education policies. Half of them were told that Plan 1 was Democrat and that Plan 2 was Republican. The other half was told the exact opposite. Results? About three-fourths of the survey respondents favoured the plan that they had been told belonged to their own political party, regardless of what that plan actually stated. What are we? Sheep. That's, that's, that is the statement from a, from a university lecturer in, in America. What are we? Sheep. What are the 99? The 99 are sheep following the wisdom of their own thinking. They're in the wilderness. They're not home. They're in a wilderness. He uses the term wilderness to define a place that is not promise. Who has a place? Who leaves sheep in the wilderness? Well, God says, I've got sheep. These sheep, I know where they are and I know where the crowd will take them. Here's the amazing thing about the grace of God. God's grace knows that if you're just part of the crowd, going with the crowd, he knows where you are in the wilderness. You've got a hundred sheep in the wilderness and you know one is already missing? How does he know that? Because he knows his sheep. We've got to understand that, that when God looks at the hundred, he's looking at mankind and he's looking at the movement and the thinking of mankind and people just sway. We, I meet people today and young people are, are being risen to have a mindset of thinking that is different to the previous generation. When I grew up in the 70s, the Labour Party had, or socialism had all but destroyed the financial state of the country, right? Now, this is not a political thing, right? But they had, right? We were down to a three-day week. The whole thing was a disaster. So then conservatives come in. We all love them, don't we? (laughs) And they changed the political landscape. And for a whole generation, everyone went, we're not going back to that kind of socialism. It bankrupts the country. But now we've got a whole generation that have grown up. They're adults. They're voting. They've got no memory of what happened in the 1970s. And what are they all voting? Socialism. Because they don't remember this. See, people just go in these sheep. So I agree with this. Yeah, I agree with this too. Why do you agree with it? Because everyone agrees with it. It's right. How's it right? Because it's right. I said so. He said so. The crowd is right. And they just go together. You with me here? So crowds just follow crowds. and, And whether you think things are right or wrong, most time people think it's right or wrong because they heard somebody else say it and they've not got an understanding of it. They just go with the flow. Just go with the crowd. And do you know what? God's okay with that. Because if you're going with the crowd, he knows where you are. But here's the thing. God's interested in the one. Because every so often, one gets lost. And here's the deal. Eventually, everyone gets lost. Eventually, everyone gets lost. And see, God is there for us when we get lost, not when... With, with the flock. But he goes looking. 
He doesn't go into the flock and go, come follow me. The flock are like, we've got this amazing wilderness going on here. <laughs> Look at all this sand and, and shrubs and, and open space. Look, no boundaries or fences. Are you crazy? He goes for the one who went looking for something else but got lost. You see, everyone who goes looking gets found. And they go to see, see, I've met many people in their heart. They're like, I just kind of got out of step with life. And then I found Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus goes looking for those who get lost. Here's the thing with today's society. I haven't been lost for a long time because I've got a phone. (laughs) And my phone can get me out of anywhere. Pretty much on the planet now, I've got a sat-nav on my phone that has even North Korea mapped out. (laughs) I'm not sure how accurate it is. I'm never going to test it. But I downloaded a map for North Korea just for the sheer fun of it. I thought I might find a nuclear bunker or something. I don't know. So... So I can, I, can, I can find my way around North Korea. But there used to be a time when the only way you can get around is by a map. And when you were doing map reading, you would go, right, I'm driving from Scotland to England. I have to look at the map. And then I have to memorize the route. Because it's going to come to a point where a junction is going to come up. And I haven't got time to stop, look at the map. I have to make a decision. So all of us who, who used to travel by those means knows at one point this, this slow sinking feeling. When you're not sure you're on the right road and you're questioning yourself. But you're still going because... You don't want to stop because you feel like, well, that's stupid. I'll just keep going until I see something familiar. But, but nothing familiar comes up. And, and this slow realisation, you've missed a turning. You, you, you've missed a, you, you misread a sign. And, and then comes that point when you, you hit a junction, a fork in the road, or, or a sign that's like, I don't even know, I can't even pronounce that name. Where is that to? And, and you realise you've got no idea where you are. This sense of lostness, this, this, uh, but Jesus Christ came. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. He said in Luke's gospel, um, where is it? I'm preaching my message and I'm so lost my notes. <laughs> he says, in, he says in, in, in Luke's gospel, I'll find it in a minute, but he says, I am the good shepherd. See, Jesus is the shepherd that goes looking for his sheep. And we have to understand that when Jesus goes looking for his sheep, he comes and he finds those who were lost. Now here, I want you to see this because this is, I just want to play with your brain just a, a little bit more. Last week, I spoke about the woman who... The woman who had gone to look, who, who was sick, and she grabbed a hold of the robe of Christ. She was, she was considered unclean, yeah. but she was acceptable to Christ. She yeah. grabbed a hold of the robe, and Jesus says, Who touched me? For power, feel power has come out of me. And we read, and I spoke about how the Bible says in Malachi, uh, in chapter 4, that The son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. The wings were the robes 
of Christ. That's what they were described as. He was arise with healing in his wings because the word of God is healing for our lives. And it's for all of us. Whereas the Pharisees would take their robes and they would wrap them so no one was able to touch the promises of God. Now, Christ came to set sinners free. We read that, that Zacharias, um, Zacchaeus, sorry, then it says in Luke 19, 8, it says, And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, I give half of my goods to the poor, and I've taken, if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he is also a son of God. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. And so Jesus is in the house of Zacchaeus, And he finds, he sees Zacchaeus and he says, I'm coming to your home because I can see that you're lost. How does he know he's lost? Because this man is a tax collector. Here's the deal about tax collectors. Tax collectors are so bad, they get their own kind of rating of badness. (laughs) Don't they? It's like, we talk about sinners and tax collectors. You get tax collectors and sinners. It's like it's like you can do you can be a murderer, you can you can be a terrorist, you're anything like, but you're only listed as sinner. Then you've got tax collectors. <laughs> That's how bad they are. And so we've got this tax collector, and he's not with the crowd flock anymore. He's in a tree trying to see Jesus. He's a lost sheep who who doesn't kind of know where he is. And Jesus plucks him out of that tree and says, I'm going to take you home and we're going to eat together. And in that covenant meal, Zacchaeus finds his home. Now, Jesus, who came to seek and save that which is lost, Create brings to us a gospel which liberates and sets us free. Now, I, I'm going to read to you a scripture in Leviticus. And when I first read this, can you put Leviticus up in 26 in the New King James? I don't, I don't have this version of my Bible because it's wrong. Okay, <laughs> don't, don't worry. It's, uh, there are many other versions that got it right. So no, Leviticus 26 Uh, And if you can, um, 20, uh, sorry, Leviticus 6, verse 26. Sorry, getting so excited. Leviticus, if you can just put that up for us, Jane, and uh, I'll read that off the screen. Any time now would be good. That's it. The priest, (laughs) this talking about sacrifice, and it says, the priest who offers it for sin shall eat it. But does that, is that what it says? All right. Okay, 20, yes, all right, and we're going to 27. The priest who, no, go back. (laughs) The priest who offers it for sin shall eat it. In a holy place it shall be eaten. In the court of the tabernacle of meeting, verse 27, everyone who touches its flesh must be holy. And when its blood is sprinkled on any garment, you shall wash that on which it was sprinkled in a holy place. So anyone who touches the sacrifice must be holy. Sounds fair. That's kind of the way I was raised. It's kind of the sense of, You've got to be a holy person to do the sacrifice. Put the same version up, but in the um, New Living Translation, which uh, 
it, Neil's not here this morning, but Neil loves the New Living Translation, and I don't like it, right? Because <laughs> I just feel it's a bit wet and a bit weedy. Oh, Neil's this, Neil. He's, this is the New Living. This is the version that's got it right, Neil. Right, here we go. <laughs> Any, anyone or anything that touches a sacrificial meat will become holy. And when I read the first version, I'm reading it and I'm going, what? I'm reading this thinking, shall become holy, surely must be holy. But not even slightly is that the case. For when we touch Jesus, we don't make Jesus unholy. When we touch Christ, we are made whole. And so we see in the Old Testament, there is a setting for the gospel. Right there is our wholeness. Right there is our healing. Anyone or anything that touches the sacrificial meat, which is the representation of Jesus Christ, will become holy. You've got to understand when Jesus came to find you, when Jesus comes to pick you up, when you brush past Jesus Christ, there is a healing in your heart. There is a restoration in your mind. There is a healing in your body. There is a wholeness that comes over you. And those who feel like they've been rejected, many times I speak to people and they say, I I don't feel like I'm good enough to come to church. Well, that's what church is made of. Do you think we're any more special than you? The the church is full of people and people have histories I don't want to know about. It says, a pastor, I've discovered one wise tact. Don't ask too many questions about people's lives. Why is that? Because once they start telling, you feel responsibility to deal with it. And sometimes, I don't want to go there. It's like... And so, but here's the thing, Jesus Christ knows who we are. And when we touch Jesus Christ, we are made whole. The Bible says that when Jesus finds the lamb that is lost... He picks it up, puts it on his shoulders. Now, here's the curious thing. Why doesn't he just make it walk home? Come on, stupid lamb. <laughs> Give it a kick. Now, I've, now we, used to, we had a lamb. I had a pet lamb as a kid. We, it was going to be killed by the farmer. And we, we, um, we rescued this lamb. We brought it home. We fattened it up. And then we ate it. And uh, so, but it was, it, was a, it was a pet before that. And anyway, so... <laughs> So we had a lamb that we ate, but Jesus is talking about people and he doesn't eat people, right? So he picks up the lamb. Have you noticed this? When someone gives their life to Jesus Christ, in those first few weeks and months, have you noticed that everything they pray for, they get? Have you noticed that everything, that just, this, this, just, this glory, it's like angels around them. And you look at him, you call it the honeymoon period. And you just, you, feel like, you just feel like they're just wandering around. There's angels going, whoa, like that. And there they are. And there's, they, they're just, God, I'm just so grateful. And you're looking at every corner of their life. And you're going, well, how come it's not like that for me right now? <laughs> Here's the reason. He's carrying them home. Because yeah, when they get home, the party starts, but they have to walk. And there comes a point when Christ, when he finds us, he he carried us all home. He carried us all through that time just just taking, I'm just going to take you out of the wilderness. I'm not taking you back to the 99. That's not a great place to live. I'm taking you home. And here's the thing about the kingdom of God, that that God's kingdom is, is about restoring people home. It's not about the lost sheep. It's about home. 
Because that's where the wholeness is. That's where the restoration is. That's where the life of God's power is, is, is built into us. We are made whole by coming home. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.thejunctionchurch.com. God bless.